Welcome to my podcast. Today, my guest is casting director extraordinaire, Lisa Beach. Boy, what an amazing career this woman has had. She has worked repeatedly with some amazing filmmakers, Alexander Payne, Wes Craven, James Mangold. She cast Angelina Jolie in Girl Interrupted, Bradley Cooper in Wedding Crashers, and even Meghan Markle in Horrible Bosses. So she's got lots of fantastic stories, and we're about to hear them all. Let's do this. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here today, and I'm hoping to take a deep dive into your background and talk about how you find this amazing talent and hopefully give us some insight into what some of these amazing people are. You know, it's been a long time. I've been doing this for a long time. I've gone gray as a result, but I totally still love my job. So everything's good. So first of all, a casting director is not something I think people are born knowing that it's a that it's a job that exists like growing up you watch movies but you're not necessarily thinking about who is working behind the scenes you don't you don't grow up and say oh I want to be a casting director when you're five years old so how did no you beg to differ <laughs> I mean I'm going to differ a little bit it wasn't five it was like 13 but that's okay I'll tell you the story I think the yeah. question you go with the question I'll answer okay well the okay. question is did you always want to be a casting director uh, from a very early age, I was always pretending to read and I wanted to be Walter Cronkite. I remember like five when I remember, I hate to say it. I remember when John F. Kennedy was assassinated and, you know, my mother was crying hysterically, but Walter Cronkite, I remember him. And then I would take pieces of paper and pretend I was Walter Cronkite. So I kind of always knew that I wanted to be in some kind of, and I was always a ham bone from hell. My mother would, you know, when the movie That's Entertainment came out, I was uh, Ginger Rogers dancing around. I was Eleanor Powell dancing around the house. I was pretending I was, so I wanted to be an actress or I thought I wanted to be an actress. Um, and then I, um, my mother and I went to see the movie Sleeper. I was probably 12 or 13 years old. She turned to me because it said casting by Lynn Stallmaster. And she said, she turned to me in the theater as the credits were rolling. And it was like the first time you really ever saw a casting director credit. I mean, it's certainly that's the first time I remember seeing a casting director credit. And she said, now, wouldn't that be a fun job? And so, um, you know, I said, yeah, it would, that would be amazing. That would be incredible. So, you know, cut to 40 some years later, I was able to actually tell Lynn Stallmaster when Sarah Katzman, my business partner, and I won an Artios Award. Lynn was also being honored at the Artios, which are the Casting Society of America's version of the Oscars, because Artios means perfect fit. Hmm. And so that's our job as casting directors to find the perfect fit. But in any case, I remember receiving the award and then telling Lynn Stallmaster, you know, in front of everybody at the Beverly Hilton, um, the story of how my mother turned to me and said, uh, wouldn't that be a great job? And I was able to tell Lynn Stallmaster that story. Oh. Okay, I'll finish there. And then you can ask another question. I, I could go on. <laughs> believe me, I jabber. Yeah. Okay, well, I believe me, I will give you plenty of opportunity to jabber because I, I love your jabbering. So what project would you consider your big break as a casting director? I will tell you exactly what it was. I mean, I'll tell you actually my big break as a casting, you know, to get into the casting business because nobody thinks you're absolutely right. Back in the day, um, nobody thought to themselves, I think I want to go to college so that I could be a casting director. True. Um, yeah. And after I got out of college uh, where my major was husband finding, but sadly <laughs> I was unable to achieve that major. Uh, and, um, so then I had to get a job and my it's job, an overrated, it's an overrated major. Don't worry about it. <laughs> 
I've never <laughs> discovered how good or bad it could be, but my English major is sufficing, you know, it's, you know, totally whatever. So I got out of college and I went to, um, you know, uh, I, I got a job at a management consulting firm and I just didn't want to work. I wanted to find a husband. And so a boarding school friend of mine called up one day in like 1984 and said, I haven't seen you in a while. You want to go to London? Uh, and I'm working on a movie here because he had started getting into the movie business. And I said, as long as I don't have to sleep with you, I will. And so I didn't. And I, but I ended up falling madly in love with him. So I did in the oh. end. But in any case, then, you know, we lived together for a couple of years and he uh, was doing a movie called Volunteers down in Mexico uh, and being with John Candy and Tom Hanks, where he met Rita Wilson. And so we were down in Oaxaca, Mexico, shooting the movie Volunteers. I was even an extra in the movie. And Nicholas Meyer, the director, uh, noticed me being really bored, just doing nothing because I didn't have a job. My boyfriend was the um, he was the set, uh, the guy who takes the, the stills. He was the yeah, photographer. Of, that photographer or set publicist you know so that's what he was doing and I was just kind of like drinking beer and eating tostadas all day so he realized I was a little bored and a little overqualified for doing that and so he hired me to be kind of a set PA and I remember you know teaching the extras how to sing Puff the Magic Dragon and stuff like that in any case when we went back to Los Angeles in late 84 or I guess early 85 whatever it was he asked me to be his assistant and then as I was his assistant a couple of things, you know, we were typing on a Corona Selectric and there was whiteout. There was all kinds of things that we just don't have anymore. And uh, one day uh, he was casting his, trying to cast his next movie and it was called Fellow Traveler and it was about the Spanish Civil War. And um, he had hired David Rubin as his casting director who had, was working at that time as an associate uh, casting director to Lynn Stallmaster's office. And so David you know, David would come in for casting sessions a couple times a week. And I would say, oh, David, what about uh, Blanche Baker? Oh, David, what about, you know, and he, so when he went off on his own in 1986, he asked me to be his assistant. You know, I, at that point I had left Nick and I was working in Florida. I don't know what I was doing in Florida, but whatever. I was doing something in Florida, you know, it's whatever. Up to no good as usual. <laughs> Probably still trying to find a husband on a boat. Um, and so uh, he called me up and he found me in Florida and he said, I would like you to be my assistant. And I said, I know nothing about casting. And he said, I'll teach you everything you need to know. And so on October 20th, 1986, I'm kind of an idiot savant with dates. Uh, October 20th, 1986, he said, um, you know, we started work and we started a movie called Little Nikita with Sidney Poitier and River Phoenix. And we were on the, the old Columbia lot, which is now the Warner Brothers lot. And it was really cool. It was just so fun to be, you know, like, it just, I couldn't believe what I was doing. And I, I just, I just loved it from the get-go. And I remember my first phone call, David Rubin Casting. And um, it was a, an agent that I had then became very dear friends with. His name is Richard Lewis. And Richard said, hello, love, is he there? Because, you know, he didn't know who I was. But at the same time, he knew David Rubin. And I said, David, there's a man named Richard Lewis who said, hello, love, is he there? And so he goes, oh, Richard, he's a good guy. So in any case, I learned everything that I learned from David Rubin. And then I, you know, we actually were traveling at that point. And he said, hey, let's go to New York. And we stayed at the Lowell and we would have casting sessions at the Lowell. And, you know, this is about a year and a half in. Um, and I remember Kevin Spacey came in and David said, Lisa, would you like to do the reading for this? Because, you know, at that point, Kevin Spacey was at the time when he was auditioning for roles as opposed to. Well, not being offered anymore, but whatever. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I have to bring them up. But suffice to say, my first experience of reading with an actor, I consider myself a pretty good reader because I know now I am a really good reader. But according yeah. to Kevin Spacey, I wasn't because he stopped at the audition in the middle of it. And he said, 
hold on, hold on. No, stop. Who is this reader? We And then the David had to take over. So it was a little embarrassing. Oh. But in any case, I can assure you uh, that I've gotten way better. I mean, in fact, I'm very good. Okay. But in any case, so I, um, and then Steve Tish, we were doing less than zero when we were at John Abnett and Steve Tish's office. And this is where Craig Zisk, who's now a big producer, was John Abnett's assistant. And we, David and I had needed to hire an assistant one day. And so we found a, a girl named Sam. And about two months later, we needed to find her again. So we called Sam's house and said, um, hey, Sam, it's Lisa Beach wondering if you could um, come back and temp for us for like a couple of weeks. The phone was picked up by her house sitter, Debbie Zane, because Debbie Zane and she were best friends. And Debbie Zane called back and said, you know, Sam's out of town and I'm house sitting, but I'll do it. And we said, come on in. And so that's how Debbie Zane got her start. Oh my gosh. And so I, it was just, it was me, it was Zane over here. And it was, and um, one day we got a phone call uh, for John, for, for Craig Zisk. And somebody said, hello, is Mr. Six there, please? So we called Zisk Six ever since. Um, and those were the early days. And Okay, but I, wait, hold up, hold up. I, 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 you, you have name dropped all these people and projects that I have to ask you a few questions about them. Like when you're talking about being on the set and Tom Hanks is meeting Rita Wilson and there's all, all this sort of stuff, like where, where was he at that point in his career? Was he still a com he was still a comedy actor who hadn't transitioned to. Oh, to, very much. It was still yeah. bosom buddies. And this was a very much a comedy. And yeah. um, so at that point, are you, are you able to see that, this guy is going to become the every man, multiple Oscar winning, can do no wrong man in Hollywood? Or is is that not something one can forecast that early? You know, I, well, first of all, I wasn't on the set that often, but mm. when I was on the yeah. set, you know, sure. I mean, he was, he was always great and charming. And we really, I have a couple of really great pictures of me and Tom, like at some, you know, and he's, got his hand on his chin and I've got my hand on my chin. We're both looking at the camera and we both look considerably younger, mm -hmm. but then he also drew, drew a picture um, of himself and said, I love you madly, Tom, or, you know, just, just fun stuff. I mean, it was yeah. just a great behind the scenes and John Tandy was so fantastic. Yes. Um, oh so, my, yes. And yeah. then I don't know, it was just like the, you could kind of see that Tom and Rita had something going, but it wasn't like official, even though it was yeah. kind of official because, you know, well, there were other things in other people's personal lives in the United States that yes, precluded yeah. any knowledge of anything that was happening in Mexico. Yeah. So I hope I haven't yeah. ruined any, you know, but they've been <laughs> married for 35 years. So I'm totally fine with that. Exactly. And less than zero, what an iconic movie. I mean, how did it feel to be part of something like that? I didn't know. I mean, I was still so young at this. I, you know, I kind of, I read the book and I was like, oh my God. And then we just had all these fabulous actors come in and I, I remember, you know, Jamie Gertz's audition. And I mean, I do remember it because I, you know, just the way she just emoted so amazingly, you know, and it just kind of captured this woman who's in such anguish over the fact that Clay is a, you know, friggin' drug addict or, you know, what it, it just, it was such a unique experience for me. But as an assistant, I wasn't necessarily in the room the whole time. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, as an associate, yes. Uh, you know, I got to be in casting situations where I was actually in the room. This was just me kind of, being outside and, you know, chatting with uh, whoever came in. And I would love to actually, I have a feeling that David, I mean, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, I don't know, but at the Academy Library on La Cienega and Olympic that has, uh, that houses all the documentation, the documents at the Herrick Library, I have a feeling that, you know, there are a lot of casting directors who have donated their, um, you know, because in the old days we used workbooks. Uh, we had just big notebooks that were 
filled with, you know, roll of this and every person we'd seen, every casting session, every note, you know, and it was a whole big notebook. So I would love to see David's, if he has donated them, I would love to yes. see David's notes for less than zero. And I'd say, oh my God, I remember when he came in, but yeah, because it was Brat Pack time. And I'm sure you got every young Hollywood um, person that walked through those doors to audition for less than zero. Yes. But to ultimately answer the question that I, you asked about five minutes ago, um, it was a long intro, but um, Steve Tisch, uh, you know, saw me working with David. And so Steve Tisch said, I am doing a new television show called Dirty Dancing. And so he said, I would like you to cast it. And I was like, oh, wow, Steve, gosh, that's so great. I love Steve. He's fantastic. He's always been such a good guy. Um, and so I, I worked on Dirty Dancing and that was my first job as far as being a casting director is concerned. It's funny because my brother is in voiceovers, mm. uh, and he's a big voiceover guy and I, you know, I hear him all the time, but at the same time, one day there, an episode of Dirty Dancing aired and it said casting by Lisa Beach. And then literally right after credits in it, it was a voiceover with John in the commercial. So I don't know, felt kind of good about that. And that's how I started. But then Steve Tisch asked me if I would cast his movie called Bad Influence. That was my real big break as far as getting into movies. And I guess I was I was 30 years old, maybe 31 or something like that. And I'd only been doing this for three years. And so I cast Bad Influence. And I remember by the time it came out, there was a screening of it. And my mother happened to be visiting in town. This has to, had to have been, I guess, 1990. In any case, it was right before before she died and so we went to see the movie together and she turned to me afterwards and she said I can't believe you cast this movie and it was just like I, my dream had come true right isn't that mean more than anything when your own parents just that I mean that's worth more than any any praise from anybody you know? I couldn't I mean it was just so cool it was yeah. just I don't know I just loved it and I'll never forget that moment I'll never forget the moment she turned to me in the theater and said wouldn't that be a great job and then I was able to she could see the credit on the screen. So I think no matter what age you are, you always want to make your parents proud, like always till the end of time, even in their passing, you still want to make them proud. Like you still, you, you're like up there, like, I'm still trying to make you proud. Yeah. I am still, I am still, but I know that um, I'm not, I guess, you know, because of the lag time between, you know, production ending. And then I, I got, um, I got uh, school ties because school that ties. was, yes, yes. I um, want to talk about that because that is, I think encapsulated a lot of my youth was, was that movie. And um, Brendan Fraser really took off after that. And then of course he had his own storyline that he had to see the ups and the downs and culminating in um, the Oscar win for the whale this past year. But when you cast him, what were you looking for? How did you create such an ensemble of actors and have him as the anchor? Well, we had a ball. I mean, I had a ball casting that movie. Um, I remember going in for my, you know, casting directors kind of have to audition too. They, they need to go and meet the director and the producer and they need to you know, establish a rapport so that they, they will know that we are all on the same page as far as taste and creativity and I don't remember how I actually got the, you know, the the, the, the opportunity to, you know, impress. Um, it was Stanley Jaffe who was directing and Sherry Lansing. Um, so Jaffe Lansing at Paramount and walking in and meeting the iconic Sherry Lansing and Stanley Jaffe turned out to be just a fantastic guy. Loved him to death. And 
I remember walking into the bathroom before I, you know, took my audition and I just said, you can do it. You know, these people. And I, I just had these, I just, there's something about it that's made me realize that I really love being a casting director is because I just get this sense. I think they'd be perfect. I think they'd be perfect. But also you knew that world because you went to, didn't you went to boarding school, you had a, like a prep school education and this was set in a prep school, right? So there was something that must, that must've helped you or been in your favor in some way. Totally. I mean, I, 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 I can't, begin to tell you I could say oh yeah that guy was this guy in my class that was I was the girl that was you know that guy was this guy in the class that was this guy in the class I mean and I knew and I told them that I said I went to a school called Middlesex and I said by the way where are you shooting this movie and they said well we're looking around and I said you really need to look at Middlesex because it is the most idyllic campus mm-hmm. so in any case they ended up going to Middlesex um but I remember when I walked into that audition with Stanley and Sherry I said I've just seen this kid um Matt Damon who just did a a TV movie of the week with Brian Dennehy. And I forget what's called favorite son or something, whatever it is. I said, he has to come in. And I remember seeing Brendan Fraser, but you know, in that initial, you know, pass through, we knew who we wanted, you know, and Philip Seymour Hoffman came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I still had my notes for that. I'm sure I could find them somewhere, but I, you know, we, we just saw everybody in that, in that age range and auditioned up the wazoo. And it was great because I knew exactly what we were looking for. And um, you know, finding the oddball and and who ended up being Andrew Lowry and then Randall Battenkoff and, you know, just the, the guys that we pulled together, I thought were just the quintessential casting for, you know, 1960s slash 1980, whatever, what, whatever year it was. You had to um, sort of breakfast club them together, the jock, the nerd, the... Totally the, you know, emo. So you, that's what you had to do for that. Yeah. Right? That's what we had to do for that. And it just, and I just thought it ended up being a great cast and auditioning these people. But in the, in, in the first pass, we just couldn't find David. Um, you know, everybody, we, we looked everywhere. We kept going and going and going and, you know, just looking everywhere, but it just wasn't exactly what, um, you know, Stanley and or Sherry was looking for. And then there was a transition because, Sherry then I think became president of Paramount. Something happened so that Stanley left as director and they brought on Robert Mandel. And I remember getting a phone call um, and they, they said, who else would, would you would you think about? And Pat McCorkle was also casting out of New York. In any case, I remember telling them, yes, Brendan Fraser came in on February 5th, 1990. So he came in on February 5th. So we had already seen him. It, she, he had just, it was Robert Mandel had a different vision. Robert Mandel had a different taste. Um, you know, we already knew that Matt Damon was going to be a part of it. We already knew that, um, I guess, Randall Battenkoff. I'm trying to think of the people that came from LA, Andrew Lowry, um, Amy Smart. But at the same time, it didn't mean, you know, Pat and I were working together. So it was a total collaboration in a way. But I certainly knew, you know, what these preppy kids were like. Let's talk about your relationship with your um, the filmmakers who you've worked with over and over again, and um, Alexander Payne being one of them. You worked with him on Citizen Ruth and Election and About, about Schmidt. Schmidt. And yeah. with every project, his reputation got bigger and bigger. His popularity got bigger and bigger. His films got bigger and bigger. How do you um, build a relationship with filmmakers like that? Is it something that happens consciously or there's, it's just, there's a rapport and they keep asking you back. How do you grow like that? Well, I mean, as far as Alexander is concerned, it was just, it was um, Carrie Woods, you know, who had been 
Stan Kamen's assistant when I was David Rubin's assistant. So when David needed Stan, I would say, you know, David Rubin for Stan Kamen or vice versa. And Kerry would be at the phone. So we got to be friendly. Um, and so when he became a producer, he, you know, partnered up with Kathy Conrad. And so mm -hmm. we all had lunch one day uh, at the lot and um, they called me up and they said, would you like to meet with Alexander? And so Alexander and I met at Dupar's at the farmer's market. And, um, you know, I remember just sitting on the sidewalk after like having a cup of coffee or something like that. And we were chatting away and he was born February 10th. I was born February 11th. I, we just, you know, we just hit it off. I mean, I'm older than he is. Um, not by a lot, but at the same time enough, but whatever. So I worked with Alexander on that. It was terrific. And just this idea of just bringing in the faces that you wanted. And it was also different, uh, you know, back in that day, uh, which was 20 some years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely 20 some years ago, like 25 years ago. Um, probably even more than that. Almost 30. Oh, oh, all right. Yeah. Let's not date ourselves, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's 30 years ago. We started working on that movie and you didn't have to worry quite so much. I mean, you needed some name value, but it wasn't. But there's a difference now between like a three million dollar movie, which I think 30 years ago is what that was and a three million dollar movie now. And mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, the script was fantastic. And so people were but we were able to bring in those fabulous character -y faces. And I don't know, I just love casting it. And so then then when when election came around. Uh, I remember getting the script from Alexander and these are the days that it wasn't sent digitally. It was literally sent, you know, by messenger on a bike. And I remember reading this script and laughing hysterically. And all I could think of as I was reading the script, I just thought, Oh my God, this is Reese Witherspoon. And cause she had just, she'd come out my, uh, in, in a movie called man on the moon when she was like 14, mm -hmm. having nothing to do with Tracy Flick. But apart from the fact that I totally related to Tracy Flick, uh, insofar as knowing, oh, yeah, I, I wasn't really as bad as Tracy Flick, but I certainly had my ambitions to, you know, A, go to an Ivy League school and B, marry a guy, marry somebody, whatever, you know, like, you know, I had my ambitions. So I knew Tracy Flick and I just thought, I think Witherspoon would be perfect. And then she was in Pleasantville. So, you know, we did the whole audition process and Reese was getting a little more namey. So her uh, her agent said she will meet with Alexander. Um, and so she and Alexander had a meeting in the conference room uh, at the MTV offices in Santa Monica. Alexander, when she left, Alexander and I sat on another, you know, um, sidewalk, you know, stool, bench, whatever it was called, sidewalk. And he said, is she, is she Tracy Flick? And I said, I have never in my life felt an actress was more Tracy Flick. I mean, there is, there is nobody else, Alexander. She is, she's it. She is it. Well, it's interesting because then, uh, and I still want to come back to Alexander and about Schmidt, but from there, you you did work with Reese again for Walk the Line, which um, was directed by James Mangold, who you've also worked with multiple times. Um, so um, I, I just love that you have re repeat customers, so to speak. You know? Oh, I love being, I, I mean, we loved being a repeat customer. It, and actually the funny, well, we haven't gotten to Scream yet, if we get to Scream, but in any case, yeah. um, you know, my business partner now is uh was my assistant on Scream One. So and she worked at Carrie and Kathy's office. So when yes. Scream was coming along, okay, that's another story. But suffice yes. to say, you know, it's all kind of the family. Intertwined, thing, yes. Yeah. Intertwined. Um, and it's kind of who you know. And you obviously, I mean, I have fun when I cast a movie. I'm not really serious and deconstruct the uh, you know, the performance via this, you know, like God, I think that she totally pops or whatever word it is I use. I mean, it's just, it's it's nice to feel like there's a great atmosphere in the room. And so working with Alexander 
was always Friday was culotte day. So we always had to wear culottes, as he said. I mean, just things that just made it fun and, and we could just be honest with each other. And there was a, a real connection. And certainly, you know, when Sarah, you know, Sarah was there during these days too. And I, she just, we all just got together, got, got along, you yeah. know, with Alexander really, really, really well. And it was just great. And he would ask us for the next one. And I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to say that the reason we don't do Alexander's movies now is because he uses the same, um, for, for the following couple of movies after that, he used a, um, a, his casting director was his location casting director. And the same person was the extras casting director and also the principal casting director. And that is not a job that Sarah and I would feel comfortable moving to Omaha for three months to to do or could or they could have afforded for us to do so john jackson who lived you know in those places that's why he was doing them now and as far as his new one the hangovers or the hangover or the holdovers um which i'm dying to see can't wait to see it Me too. Um, Me too. i mean he alexander still would call us you know during sideways uh and the descendants saying what do you think about you know uh you know we had introduced him i remember when we were doing uh about schmidt to um Oh my God, Thomas Hayden Church. And he mm. loved Thomas Hayden Church. He didn't put him in one, but he ended up putting him in the other, you know, because and he, and he, would, he would call still. I mean, I think that, you know, we're friends. And so yes. it, it totally worked. It was, it's, a, it's a wonderful collaboration. We still call each other every year on our birthdays. He yeah. calls me first. I call him, you know, whatever. Um, so, uh, so question for about Schmidt, you know, everyone yeah. loved the Brussels Griffon. I think like that breed went up a lot when that movie came out. Um, do you end up casting the type of dog as well, or you just work with the humans? That would be an animal person who would, you know, bring, bring pictures <laughs> saying this one is, no, we had nothing to do with the dog. We had nothing to do with the dog, but we, you know, we, uh, you know, June squib. I mean, I think we hired yeah, a local person. Yeah, she was fantastic. And it just, again, it, uh, about Schmidt, um, I, 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 June, I mean, you know, for an example, June Squibb, I was thrilled that she got that part because she wasn't um, like Eva Marie Saint or something, somebody that yes. you necessarily heard of. And she just yeah. added such a reality to, you know. And, and she went she, on to star in an, uh, Alexander's next film, I think. I know, the, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, that's what he loves. He gets the essence of these actors as being artists as opposed to, um, you commodities. know, commodities, commodities, yeah. exactly. And, yeah. you know, somebody gave me a, a mug once that said a, a casting director is an artist who paints with people. Mm. And I kind of oh. like that. Uh, and I like to consider the creativity of it because uh, there is another, you know, situation. It wasn't a situation because Kathy Bates was fantastic. But there was another actress who literally was wearing her mother Hubbard's and her big old Playtex bra in you know to audition for the role that Kathy Bates got but Kathy Bates was offered the role you know as a result of her name value and you know I mean and she's she was fantastic she was terrific but there were some other choices too um yes. if if it hadn't worked out with Kathy Bates so you know there are a lot of really amazing talents that we have had the privilege to see yeah uh, moving on to somebody like James Mangold who you know you were talking about Kathy Conrad being uh, producing Alexander's movies, but Kathy's also with, uh, she's married to or with um, James Mangold. Um, and there, what was, so they were a couple at the time and, and she produced all of his films. And so I, that was, I can see the connections forming of why you would be brought in on some of his stuff. And 
As far as I know, you worked on Girl Interrupted, Walk the Line, and the Wolverine franchise with him, correct? Am I missing any? Wolverine, Logan, uh, Day and Night, Night and Day. I think we did like seven or eight movies with him. I, honest yeah. to God, we we, yeah. we work with him so much and it was just, it was amazing. It was really like a family. But, but you've got like a Western, like 310 to Yuma to like a major Marvel franchise like the Wolverine. And then you have a very music filled project, Walk the Line. Awesome. I mean, we all know that Oscars for everyone in that movie. Yeah. And then Girl Interrupted. Oh, just it changed a lot of things for a lot of young women to be in that movie. And I, I don't even I know agree. where you want to start to talk about James and your relationship with him and just, and, and girl interrupted for sure. That was like 97. And they put us in this fabulous, um, you know, wonderful suite of offices at, um, the, at the Sony lot. And, um, and so every day it was just another, just bringing in new girls, girls that you'd heard of before, uh, I remember Hillary Swank uh, had just come in for, um, came in, but you could tell she was wearing a wig because she had just finished um, filming Boys Don't Cry. And so I knew she was wearing a wig and she was terrific. I mean, she was obviously terrific. And I, I'm 99% sure that we brought her to gym. Uh, I just, but you know, who knew that she was going to go on to, but there was no girl that you know of now who's in her 40s or 50s i.e jennifer aniston um you know who did not come in for that uh and i remember you know a, some people you know went a little far as far as the um you know they because they hadn't been properly trained and di the dialect of what it would be like to be a Tourette syndrome victim mm -hmm. and i think um that in this day and age we would need to have cast someone with Tourette's, Tourette syndrome or yes. a disability um but 24 six years ago, 20, you know, five years ago, I, uh, you know, that wasn't necessarily the uh, mandate. Yeah. It was really to find the best actor. And that, you know, there were certain people who, you know, were the burn victims, um, yeah. which I guess was the Elizabeth Moss. I just remember seeing her, but then of course, you know, the high point, I, I also the, I remember um, as far as Dr. Whatever his name is, the bad shrink that, uh, yes. um, yeah. that Jeffrey Tambor got, John Ritter came in and read for that part. And I had seen him in Sling Blade and I thought, you know what? John Ritter needs to come in for this because he was so known for all of his comedy. Mm -hmm. And I think one of my theories is that comedy actors can much more easily and are much more able to go into drama, i.e. Melissa McCarthy and uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Well, Tom Hanks. I mean, literally Tom Hanks is the prime example. Yeah. And so in any case, John Ritter came in and I, like, I don't know what, Cord he must have touched somewhere when he was doing his screwed up shrink um doctor whatever the hell his name was mm -hmm. um and i i like almost burst into tears it scared me it really kind of scared me a little bit um and or it scared my you know he was that good but in the end it was jeffrey tambor i mean jeffrey tambor did a great job but he was offered the part so i didn't know what he was going to do and then as far as the nurse uh the Whoopi goldberg part um uh i remember there was one actress I mean, this is kind of the, you know, sometimes this, this happens in your job and sometimes it doesn't. There are moments you will never forget. Like when one actress who's, who shall remain nameless, literally that scene where she's like, you know, Lisa, Lisa, and I was playing the role, I was playing the Winona Ryder part or whatever her name was. Um, God, I can't believe it. it's been that long, but I'm old. Uh, in any case, this actress is shaking me, shaking me, and she, and I, and I, one of the words that Winona Ryder, Lisa Beach, had to say was, fuck you. And then this actress said, fuck you too. And then she spat at me and it hit me right in the forehead. <laughs> and I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, and I've, 
I would just, I was shocked. Like she spat at me and it landed on my forehead. Luckily, not my eyes. But in any case, so that's the kind of thing that, you know, all those auditions that would go through. And it was just so, I'm just, I've got to tell you, shocking, but fabulous. It was just, I mean, if this is my job every day, bring it on, you know? And it's, you know. Was Angelina Jolie attached from the get-go or was that somebody that you had to bring in? Every single girl auditioned. Every single one. I will never, ever forget Angelina Jolie's audition. Uh, I remember Brittany Murphy's audition because we used to bring her in all the time. So that was kind of a, a no-brainer anyway. And she would come in for us and she was lovely and we loved her mother. And, you know, she just, you know, we, we'd have lunch. You know, it, it, it just, Sarah and I, it just, I don't know, we just, we loved Brittany. And we were really, really sad. She and was shocked, the sweetest thing. Yeah. Just the sweetest thing. Um, so she came thing. in and yeah. you just saw that vulnerability and um, Daisy, just the, the chickens and the, I mean, just just broke your heart she broke your heart yeah. um she, and you know now you kind of see where that came from you know yeah. i mean you just did yeah. not knowing her personal background no knowing her yeah. life but you realize that that well of something came from somewhere yeah. so and so her audition obviously was well there you have it but as far as angelina jolie is concerned and i'm sure it's the last time she ever went in um you know to read for a role <laughs> yeah. but she I, won the oscar and that was it like that was well, different stratosphere after that yeah she um was literally i was here and she was i don't know four feet away so she starts and it's the scene where you know a speculum is a dick is a speculum is a dick is a this is a that you know daisy don't you daisy you know don't you and and it just i, I it just was astonishing it was a, it was a, an astonishing audition and an audition should never be considered your final performance so if you see that audition then you're thinking whoa holy shit um, and so she left the room and I turned to Jim, who was on my right. And I said, and there is your best supporting actress for 1998. And it was true. I mean, it was totally true. Let's move on to The Wedding Crashers. Loved that movie. Bradley Cooper in a very supporting role, by the way. Tell me about casting him. I mean, Bradley Cooper's audition, um, it just, you know, he, he embodied sex so perfectly because he could do the comedy, but he could be a dick. You know, and but and but he's not a dick. He's a great guy. I mean, he's a really great guy. And so I I just I love an actor who can do that. But I knew how versatile he was. He was a great actor in New York. Um, and somebody, you know, and it was kind of like when I thought about sack again, Wedding Crashers was pretty easy for me because it was that kind of East Coast, you know, blah blah thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. But I remember certainly when we were doing Wedding Crashers and having our meeting with David Dobkin way up in the front, and we'd done a list, and he said, "I want Christopher Walken," because you know we'd done a list, and he goes, "I love Christopher Walken." I said, "Let's go for Christopher Walken." So sometimes you know you talk to a director, and you say, "Why not shoot for the stars? We still have time. The movie's not shooting until September. It's now like February or March." Or, uh, you know, we have time. And so he liked it and he did it. Um, and so, you know, and Vincent and Owen were already attached. So that kind of brought a certain imprimatur to the, you know, essence of comedy. And it was, I'm not going to say it was pretty easy to cast, but it sure was fun to cast. And I, yeah. you know, and Rachel McAdams, um, you know, yes, we had lists and, and uh, you know, I I know we auditioned many, many, many girls for that role, but at the same time, I know that, you know, it was it was a little tough because of Rachel's schedule, but we we did offer it to Rachel and ultimately she took it, which was great. But I do remember, I mean, Isla Fisher's audition, again, one of those auditions I will never forget as long as I live. Okay. And I will never forget Jane Seymour's audition either. Uh, actually, not Jane Seymour's, but another actress. Hold on one second. I'll go back. I'll go to Isla. Um, our situation was we had to be in a long conference room. 
So I was sitting at the end of the table. Sarah was running camera here and David and Andrew um, and Peter were all to my left as, and they could only, and so the actress was in front. And um, so this particular scene we chose when we brought back Isla Fisher who had auditioned and then, you know, let's bring in Isla. Um, uh, Cause we used to bring in Isla all the time. Uh, and so we brought her right in and she did the scene where she was like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And she literally crawled all over me and kissed me everywhere. And I didn't mind that because it was part of the hysteria of it. It was just like, she did exactly what she did when she was doing it to Vince Vaughn in the scene in the movie. And, um, and we, we were all just hysterical. David Dobkin, I'll never forget the laugh on his face. Sarah's camera shaking practically because she's laughing so hard. It was just this great, she went balls out. And that's what I love about an actor when they're fearless and she is fearless. And that's, so in answer, in answer to the question, I didn't even ask, like, what is it about a great audition? A fearless audition. And mm -hmm. I can't give a specific example, but it's fearless. You just go for it. Well, but that that's what comedy should be. And you also did were, were the Millers with Jennifer Aniston. But your big discovery was Will Poulter. I'll take credit for that one. Yeah. Tell me about that, because I love him. And he was he's a British actor. He was been acting since he was a kid in comedy. But he also plays a scary he can do a good, scary, the creepy villain too. Oh, well, you know, I had seen him in Son of Rambo, oh, R -A -M -B -O -W, yes. yeah. and I thought he was so charming and yes. so, I mean, I just loved him. So I I said, Sarah, we're going to bring in this kid from Son of Rambo, and and his name is Will Poulter, and he came in with this British accent, kind of tall and dorky and stuff like that, and we just thought, all right, well, he's British, I mean, you know, like, whatever. And so the minute <laughs> he opened his mouth, I mean, action, the minute he opened his mouth, I'm kidding. And he was totally Kenny. He became Kenny. And it was like, Sarah and I, it was just, again, one of those moments where we just said, holy shit, let's call Ross and right now. And we called Ross and we said, we think we found him. We found him. We found him. Um, because he was just so head and shoulders above. You could just tell what an extraordinary actor he was. Just extraordinary. I mean, like so much depth, even in comedy. He's just kind of, he just kind of totally embodied it without not one false note. So in any case, it was a kind of a fight with the studio because the studio wanted, you know, more of a name. Um, and uh, there was a session in which there were two name um, people and Will Poulter um, who were going to audition with Jason Sudeikis. So we spent an afternoon with Jason auditioning these, you know, two guys and Will. And Jason said, well, there's just no question in my mind. And I think there was a, you know, there was definitely, um, a, you know, Jason, I'm sure, weighed in with the studio and said, he is clearly it. Rawson weighed in saying here's clearly it. I mean, this is at a level where we don't get ourselves involved. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's only so far we can go. Yeah. But at least we had them behind us and we just knew. And so finally it was yes. And then we got Emma Roberts and it was like this great cast. And then I got to tell you, Tomer Sisley is the bad guy. I, I you know, I, I'd heard about him from France and I just said, what about Tomer Sisley? So we auditioned, you know, put himself on tape. And I just, I thought he was hot. I mean, sorry. I mean, hot, evil. That's what I meant, hot. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned Rachel McAdams for Wedding Crasher. You worked with her again on Red Eye, um, creepy horror movie starring Killian Murphy before most people knew. Um, and lo and behold, having the best career of his life this summer with Oppenheimer. Uh, so um, this is another case of like you being at uh, these seminal moments in these actors' careers, and then they they go off and 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 you know 
reached the apex. You did the Scream franchise, another right. Kathy Conrad production, of course. Right. But that was like all those kids, all those were discovered. I mean, there was Courtney Cox from who you know had done Friends and David Arquette had been around, uh, but all right. the others, it was like- well, there was Drew. I mean, Drew, who initially was supposed to be Sydney, but then, you know, there was some scheduling conflict or or uh, somebody came up with the idea. How about if she just is the, um, I think it was Wes. I think Wes said, um, you know, and to work with Wes Craven was just, I mean, he was so brilliant and he was so kind and so uh, equitable, Ec you know, whatever. Yeah. He was one of the great men. Yeah. I, and they, it was such an honor to work with him. It really, really, really was. Um, but I, all those auditions where we would bring in, you know, Skeet Ulrich, he was, it just his audition was magnificent and, and when when jamie kennedy came in oh like, well there's randy i mean you know again that was another one of those moments where he just totally embodied what we imagined the character was matthew lillard came in you know and he he trained at like circle in the square in their youth department and you could just tell this kid was i mean up there i mean i'm i'm, I'm going to equate their their acting skills but uh will poulter and Matthew Lillard gave me the same kind of, oh my God, they're just extraordinarily talented, extraordinarily talented. You just know it when you see it. And that's what yeah. it is about. And, and it's very, again, it's very subjective. And I, you know, I, I have no problem, you know, getting suggestions from people, but there are times when it's hard when we have to step back and, um, you know, and, and accede to the wishes of the studio for marketing purposes or for whatever. I mean, it doesn't mean that the movies aren't going to be successful. Um, they're just going to be more successful, perhaps, with these names that will put eyeballs in the theater. You know, you know, Meghan Markle uh, had a cameo in Horrible Bosses, and she uh, used to audition for us all the time. We would bring in Meghan at the drop of a hat. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I mean, we really did, and we really would. What made her finally get through to the other side with you with Horrible Bosses? Oh, I, I mean, there was no question that we were going to audition her for something in Horrible Bosses, yes. A, because yeah. she had comedy and she was, she just was lovely and charming. And I don't know. I mean, we probably brought in 20 girls for that part, I guess. I mean, you know, I Such don't really. Such a tiny know. part though, too. I know, it's but so she tiny. hadn't done anything. She hadn't really broken through, but, um, you know, once she got suits, she certainly broke yeah. through. Yeah. yeah broke through big time and she, we always loved she was very professional she was charming she always had a smile on her face and she was very good she was very very good is it harder to discover new talent now and here's the thing i always wonder does someone's instagram or tiktok followers actually count for a studio or a director i uh that would be the last thing i look at because i have issues with you know these kind of poses and the glamour puss and the sexual sexuality and the you know it's like just be you you know because sometimes you're not that glamorous and you shouldn't try to be glamorous and I don't need to see you in a thong so um I have kind of issues so that's the last thing I look at I really do I, for me it's all about the talent and um but in so far as uh you know is it harder or easier in some ways, it could be easier because we can see more people and feel that we really have covered the waterfront, but it's really harder because I really miss, you know, that that kind of rapport. Hey, how are you doing? Great to see you. What's going on? How's the family? You know, you just don't get that um, anymore. And, you know, everybody's given up their offices, basically, or, you know, many, many, many people have given up their offices. Certainly times are tough at this uh, stage of the game, yes. stage of the year, you know, With actors and writers. Yeah. We just... Yeah. We haven't worked in a long time. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's been 
a long enough time that I, I just don't know what the situation is going to be as far as our new rules vis-a-vis yeah. -vis the SAG after a contract. Yeah. And, you know, we have to, we would have to offer some kind of live um, or, or li live Zoom or self-tape. The actor will get that choice. You know, live Zoom is totally fine. Um, you know, there, there will just have to be a list of, you know, we could see 25 people in a live Zoom in the morning and then watch 80, you know, or 60 uh, self-tapes in the afternoon. So we would definitely get a lot of people. And I mean, there are times when we put uh, audition calls out for depending on how intense or uh, big or you know unique the role is, we could put out um, auditions for. We want to see six hundred people for this, not wow. just like the old days when we and and like for example, if we're looking for a kid, if we're looking for a fifteen year old to ride a horse, or a fifteen you know or a fifteen year old boy or whatever it is, it's it's a whole new batch of people every time you know every two or three years. Uh, so you need to see that many kids. Um, do uh, open calls, do school searches. Uh, we did a movie called Wildflower uh, that's on Hulu. And, you know, finding a neurodivergent uh, lead actress to play uh, Kiernan Shipka's mother, uh, that involved a nationwide search in which we were calling, you know, uh, homes and, and schools and, you know, places where neurodivergent people, you know, resided or were there programs for this, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. It's a big... And that's a part of the job I love, but at the same time, I really miss the human interaction a lot because mm -hmm. I'm, you know, mm -hmm. love being a people person, love just, you know, I, you know, and, but I don't know. I mean, there, I, I remember one time when we were doing um, uh, Logan, um, you know, somebody brought a samurai sword into the office, like to do, you know, his audition. It's like, no, that's a big no. So there are times I don't miss it, but for the most part, I really miss. But I, I just, I don't want to take the personal responsibility for somebody saying, I got COVID at Lisa Beach's office. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know when, and I think that studios are now not paying for office space anymore. And, you know, as part of our expenses. So I'm not wow. quite sure what the upshot's going to be come time we start. And by the time, say it ends in January of 2024, because it's not looking good for this year. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be automatic that the, the phone rings. Although- I pray it does. So there you have it. Um, when you look back at the auditions and the people that have walked in, are there any other wild stories akin to the uh, samurai sword? <laughs> the other uh, wild? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know how. I mean, I, I do have a problem with girls coming in um, and uh, like having shorts so short that it's like, why wear them? Just why wear them? I, you know, it's like sexifying themselves when they don't need to. And it's just, you know, when you're doing an audition, you don't have to dress in a nurse's uniform to be a nurse, but you also just kind of just come in kind of, I, I, I want to say, and this is, this is for feature casting or for, you know, or for dramatic television casting or even for comedy casting. You don't have to wear a clown suit if you're playing clown, you know, we can extrapolate up to a point. Um, but I do say, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to say wear underpants because there was twice now that I just thought you are not Sharon Stone and I do not want to see that. So go home. So bad, you know, just Wait, so that's, you think that's done on purpose? I don't know, but it's just like, I just don't need, you know, I mean, because, you know, we're sitting across from each other yes. and it's you don't like, need to really? see someone's hoochie. Yeah, exactly. Mean, yeah. That's what you want to call it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, I mean, there's just, there's certain standards that you should just, you know, be civil. And, and I, as, as far as advice to an actor, it's leave your ego at the other side of the door and your ego, you know, for me, uh, and, you know, an actor's ego is what his downfall is. It's his, it's his devil on your shoulder. I want you to leave the devil on your shoulder at the other side of the door. And you don't walk in the office and say, I prepared it two ways. 
because that means that you want me to see you do it twice. That's your ego talking as an actor, as opposed to, you know, just, and I will, I'll say any questions. Um, no, it's all great. And, but make a strong choice about what you want to do. And I can always change it up. If I see the talent there, but it's just the wrong choice. I say, you know, can you try it this way? I also want to see how directable you are. So, you know, it's kind of a involved, but fun. Like yeah. A blast. Yeah. I can, I can see how, um, there's a lot to be missed about the way it used to be. And, uh, you know, actors being there in person. I, I know that a lot of my actors, you know, the actor friends that I have really also miss being in person because they miss the connection. And they, and totally. they, in fact, I was talking to an actor the other day and he said to me that he felt that self-tapes actually made him a worse actor for a while because it also made him have to self-edit himself. And then he, he, he became, he wasn't um, in, he wasn't free. He did, he, he lost that, um, unawareness of just being, because then he'd have to look at that uh, uh, self tape and edit it, and right, right, and, and then think of, it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And he just felt he sort of like lost the essence. And he said that for a while he actually disliked acting because he disliked what that process um, made him. I can understand that. I mean, it's 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 hard not getting feedback, and sometimes it's instant gratification. You know, obviously it's instant gratification if you are there in a live Zoom. Um, but it's not instant gratification. Uh, you know, although when Sarah and I look at tapes, we both um, have no qualms about asking an actor, I'm so sorry, you did a great job. We want to send this to the director, but would you mind doing it again? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and with with this direction. And, you know, and an agent, will call, you know, has over the years, they call us and they say, would you mind if this actor called you? No, not at all. No problem. You know, before they put their themselves on tape. So I, you know, like, I feel like we're very collaborative and very um, open spirited and, you know, we totally love our job. Do you really look at 600 tapes for one role or at least someone in your office? I mean, yeah. I mean, we will watch at least one scene. If you are right for it, we will watch the second scene. If you yeah. are not right for it, we will not, uh, you know, and we only give two scenes that are probably about two pages just to get a sense. One scene is going to show one side of the character. Yeah. The other scene is going to show the other side of the character. And we will definitely take a look at at least one scene for 600 people. And Sarah and I, you know, just go through them and it, you know, the good news about what we do as far as features is concerned, there's enough of a lead time so that we don't have to, I mean, like episodic, I, we couldn't audition 600 people for one yeah. big giant guest starring role, but for a feature film, we have 10 to 12 weeks to do that. So there's, you know, one, and, and usually because things are done for tax credits or tax reasons, it's been a long time since we shot a movie in LA and that was Hulu, uh, that was Wildflower because it was supposed to be shot in either Canada or Atlanta or somewhere and something, oh, and Gene Smart, who bless her heart said, I want to be in this movie. I want to be in this movie. And so she said, but I can only do it in LA. So they moved the production to LA wow. and we made it work. And it was, you know, it, it totally, it worked because there was some lead time. You have given me so many amazing nuggets and so many great stories. So um, just as a parting, you know, what, what do you think of today's star system? It's a different, um, I think the, I think the advent of social media has really caused a there is no mystery anymore. Yeah. And it's all about me, 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 me all the time. It's like 24-7. Me, 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 me. And being paid for all this stuff. It just it's kind of, I don't know, is it bastardized um the idea of an iconic movie star? I mean, there were so many secrets. I watched, you know, what's the rock rock Hudson thing. Yes. You know, and like it, it was it was so sad, but it was also beautiful and I loved it. And I I just thought, poor Rock Hudson, he couldn't come out, but at the same time there was 
mystery and glamour to him and Cary Grant mystery and glamour and mm-hmm. there was no mystery and glamour to Danny Kay but you know whatever um you know I just I mean but so many and like think of all these iconic actresses I mean even like Jessica Lang and more yes. modern actresses who you you never knew about their personal life except she was married to Sam Shepard or lived yeah. with Sam Shepard as opposed to look what I'm doing with my family and my kids. And here's my pr- promotion for now. now that things are contractually obligated to go on to a thing saying, I can't tell you what it is, but boy, am I happy to be working with Steven Spielberg uh, or, you know, like yeah. all on your social media. So I think social media has killed the movie uh, star, the killed movie, the movie star. star. Yeah. Social media killed the movie, the movie star. star. Yep. Yeah. So exactly. is, so is the next verse going to be AI killed the movie star? What are your thoughts on that? I, I don't think they're going to be casting directors in 10 years. That's the problem with AI because they're, you know, I, I think that as somebody said, casting directors and actors are going the way of the landline thanks to, um, you know, AI. And I think that may be true and it scares me. I mean, it scares me certainly for generations in, in front or behind yes. us. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm at a point where, you know, I want to make it another 10 years. I hope I'm alive in another 10 years and I want to be casting every day of the next 10 years. But yeah. I... Um, I think AI is, I, this is why the strike is so important that they, yeah. they have parameters. Yeah. And I know that there are different kinds of AI. There were some big giant articles, too technical for me, but you know, there are different kinds of AI. And I hope that everybody at the Writers Guild and the actors at the Screen Actors Guild are addressing every single kind of AI as opposed to the AMPTP saying AI without defining the different yeah. types of AI that need to be defined because this could always be used for that in the future in perpetuity, blah, blah, blah. I yeah. am no legal person, but suffice to say, it is worth fighting for. And it's yeah. it's tragic what's going on. Well, I want to end on a happy note because that's, that, is, that is tragic. So on happy note, tell me who you think today is, who do you love as, as actors? Who, who would you, you know, think is a as much of a movie star as we can considering social media killed the movie star or who do you think can just do anything and that you you um you you just see as being so versatile and so wonderful that you would like love to cast all the time and everything right okay well some are british um you know like papa sea do love papa sea do i think he's fantastic um i love lily newmark these are people you probably haven't even heard of, but these are the people I'm just like, oh my God, I just love Papa S.E.A. do. I love Lily Newmark, but I also love Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love Oscar Isaac. I mean, I love the stars of today, but they're, again, we're not going back to the glamour part, but suffice yeah. to say, um, you know, who would I cast in anything? I, 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 mostly they're people that you haven't heard of yet, but who I would always think, oh, is there something for, or like Juno Temple and friggin' Ted Lasso. Yeah. Juno Temple and Lily are kind of some, somewhat alike, but it's more the British actors or a Tomer Sisley. You know, he's a fantastic actor. Um, I know, I you know, we the Millers was a long time ago, but we, when we need to be reminded, we go through our database of, you know, like when, when we start a script, we will look at what, you know, what the role is and what we think. And, you know, Sarah and I love going outside of the box. So there will be people that, oh my God, I haven't seen him in a while. Or, oh my God, I hear that she's fantastic in this new British series. So, uh, oh, and Sophia Vasikova, um, who was in World on Fire, which is, I think now, um, it might be airing on um, PBS, uh, but if not, it, it, it's Sophia Vasikovska. I don't, she's a Polish actor. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. So sadly, people you don't know, but at the same time, burning my brain and you well know. 
I hope literally by saying their names here, then, you know, we, a year or two from now, you know, we, we see them and their names are just roll off the tongue like they would with uh, Charlize Theron or somebody like that. Exactly. There are so many fantastic actors out there. And that's why I love, I mean, in some ways COVID was great um, because it gave us the opportunity to totally watch as much television as possible. Like Money Heist, who's in the cast of Money Heist? Oh my God, I love all those guys. You know, all those binges that you did. So, yes. you know, I just did a binge in a Danish series and it's called DNA. And I think it's on something or other, whatever. It's just like, I, you know, oh, I love Matthew Good too. Matthew Good, oh. one of my favorite. He is love him i love that's awesome lisa thank you so much for coming on oh, my podcast thanks zoriana I, I know you are so busy i mean maybe the strike oh, is what yeah. maybe, maybe you you gave me time because you you know didn't have to audition you know 600 people today but i i really appreciate you i had a ball i mean i can't believe it, it it's gone on this long and then i'm not mortified that i've of anything i've said except for that i don't remember some things but then you know <laughs> Blame it on 65. <laughs> Thanks, Oriana. Good.